What would you give to increase sales by 8% of your restaurant? Restaurants leveraging the power of Yelp Guest Manager paired with Yelp ads. Enjoy up to an 8% monthly lift in diner bookings through Yelp. It makes sense, right? Millions of people use Yelp every day to find restaurants. And they're using that same trusted platform to book reservations and add themselves to wait lists. Your restaurant could be busier today. To learn more, visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast or call 877-571-9357 and quote podcast. Yelp Internal Data 2021. Based on average results from a sample study of restaurants with guest manager that purchased Yelp ads between April and July 2021 in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York City. Results may vary. Now here we go. A really strong restaurant-centric architect is going to lay everything out before you even start to deploy your capital and begin the planning and building process. And just like being in Las Vegas, you can make some sound decisions and you can make some decisions that are too risky. And you really need somebody that can provide you the type of advice so that your project continues on to the next stage. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. How is it possible that no matter how many restaurants we build, they always come in over time and over budget? You would think that after building these things for thousands of years, we'd have it down to a science, right? Well, that's why I brought in Michael Benson today. His company has built some of the most prolific restaurants in California. And today he's sharing the tactics, tools, and strategies he uses to ensure his clients get the most for the least in the shortest period of time. Right now, it's exceptionally busy out there. And I would urge everybody that's listening, if your motivation is to build a restaurant and have the job go well, not to go with the low bid, to find a company on the construction side that has a track record successfully building restaurants. I mean, it's never a perfect process. And when you have the right companies, even if they're a little bit more expensive, if they work the job properly, you're going to save a lot of money in the long run, as opposed to the change orders and constant mistakes and delays that I see with especially small restaurant owners that are trying to save capital that hire a home builder or a company that's not really qualified to build the type of restaurant that they want. How do you suss it out? How do you figure out? I mean, I must tell you from personal experience, I feel like I have hired great people that have done great work for other people and terrible work for me. That's an awesome question. I think what it comes down to, our company is a restaurant design, equipment, and installation firm. We also offer a lot of consulting from the start to when you first open your restaurant. The quarterback, though, if you're a sports fan, is the architect. And that is the most imperative hire you need to make as a restaurant owner as you start to segue into your project. 
The architect can assess properties and let you know whether your vision is going to be met with certain properties before you sign a lease. They can give you a lot of advice as to even whether the lease is in the type of location that you need to be in to create a high level of success, especially when you open the doors. And the architect can also offer a number of pieces of advice as far as hiring a kitchen design, a firm like ours. If you need an interior design, a lot of the top architects have interior design in-house. And then as the project gets designed and you move towards construction, the architects out there know the contractors that are capable of building your property at the right prices and they understand the experience needed depending on what type of restaurant you want to build. Not that the whole process is going to go perfect. Construction in most cases can be imperfect, but if you have the proper team, Josh, you're going to avoid some of the stress level that you've had from time to time on some of the projects you've been involved with. I would guess that if your project didn't go well, even though it was a seasoned contractor or a seasoned architect, there was someone involved that set it back on you. And sometimes I wonder, was it me? Which leads me to my next question, which is, how do we as restaurateurs become better at building restaurants? What can we do to be better prepared going into the relationship? Well, especially now with the supply chain issue, construction costs and high levels of inflation on equipment and labor, the difficulty of finding labor once you open the doors. I really think the major element that you have to look at is whether you're well capitalized to go through with this project. Capital is king. And if you're just trying to get a property built, and you have a great plan of cash flowing your way at the beginning, you have to take a second look at it right now because of everything taking place. Also, you need a team that you trust that isn't just trying to sell you something that was based on what they want. I really believe that the vendors have to work extra hard with everything going on now to let you know what needs to be done right away. And you have to have that trust factor to accept what they tell you, meaning that we're seeing a major change in protocols on construction and design. And due to the lack of availability of equipment, now the client has to make up their minds right away. They have to order the equipment right away. That VE process is like trying to squeeze water from a rock, meaning that there are a lot of people that we're working with that want to build restaurants and they wait and wait and wait. And the money you think you're saving on VE or changing the design doesn't happen because the inflation is setting everything way, way above what you can cut out of a project financially. And you work with really small independents that are doing one-offs, and then you also work with restaurant groups. And I'm curious to know the difference between the two. I would assume the restaurant groups are well-seasoned. What could those small independents learn from what the big guys are doing? Now, that's a good question. Our company has two divisions. We have the restaurant chain 
division, which, I mean, we handle major projects across the country and across the world, design, equipment, installation, you know, and other services for Habit Burger Grill, Farmer Boys, Postino's Wine Bar, Urban Plates, Wiener Schnitzel. I could go on and on. And essentially what you can learn from the fast, casual and successful quick serve concepts is that they pick the right locations. They keep the same teams on all their projects or not bidding every project separately, which not only, especially with the supply chain issue and inflation going on, you could put in a bid and reconcile bids and a month later, you've got to start over. So I think the independent restaurant owner on that side of our business has to make quick decisions based on having a trustworthy group of companies that we're working with. On the chef-driven concepts, the restaurant groups, the larger projects, it really, again, comes down to the architect. A really strong restaurant-centric architect is going to lay everything out before you even start to deploy your capital and begin the planning and building process. And the independent restaurants, I get it. You have that vision. You have that dream. The independent restaurant owner is an entrepreneur. They're willing to roll the dice. But just like being in Las Vegas, you can make some sound decisions and you can make some decisions that are too risky. And you really need somebody that can provide you the type of advice so that your project continues on to the next stage. And also too, I mean, Josh, you're a consultant. A lot of the successful consultants I'm talking to right now are not getting hired on projects they normally would before COVID for cost savings reasons, or you see a lot of successful entrepreneurs that achieve great things in the financial world and other industries, and they think they can do it themselves. And so that's another sound piece of advice I can provide. Go out and get a highly qualified consultant. Go out and get a highly qualified owner's representative on the building side if you can afford it, because they're going to save you a lot of money down the road. Where do you see waste? I have been a part of probably six build outs, and then I've done three myself as an owner. And I look back on those and I see waste. I see money that I spent that I thought was going to be a great investment and wasn't. I mean, a stupid example is I spent $85,000 on dumbwaiters. Worst investment I ever made in my life. But I'm curious to know, as someone that does this every day, where do you see waste? Where do you see like this money being spent, which for the restaurateur feels like an investment, but actually ends up becoming just wasteful? No, I think there has to be an octopus in the room when you're opening up an independent restaurant meeting. There has to be one decision maker that understands what the chef needs, understands the efficient layout that's going to make the restaurant successful, and understands every aspect of what goes on and makes a sound decision. You know, like I had mentioned earlier, Sometimes if you have the wrong vendors, they're going to try to sell you, whether it's interior design services or equipment or added construction costs that you don't really need. I see waste because the chef wanted 
high-end equipment when it wasn't a high-end restaurant. I've seen waste where an interior designer came in and sold hundreds of thousands of dollars of millwork when it just wasn't necessary, Josh. I've seen waste when the wrong contractor, the wrong architect was hired and you're spending unneeded capital because mistakes were made. And it's hard to pull out of a situation like that once you get started. So it kind of goes back to what we discussed earlier as far as having the right team. Because it begs the question, like, who advocates for you? If we go back to, let's say, the fine dining restaurant that I built out, we used plywood on top of drywall, Mm -hmm. right, to create like this beautiful layered effect. It looked like an old school building. And it cost a fortune. It cost an absolute fortune to put the plywood up, to carve it all out, to do this whole thing. And at the end of the day, they did it because they said, you know, if anyone bumps the wall and it's drywall, it's going to create a dent, which is difficult to patch. But I mean, a dream of dents like that could have saved us tens of thousands of dollars. But there was nobody there to advocate for us. Right. I felt like the contractor was doing the work. The designers and the architects said this must be done. Next thing you know, we have custom banquettes and all of these these other things. And the budget ballooned by double as did the time that it took to build it out. And then you just end up in a desperate situation, which I know I'm certainly not alone there. But who's the advocate? If you don't know enough about it, which most of us don't, who is that person? You know, the advocate can be the architect. The advocate could be the contractor that you're ready to hire. The advocate could be the kitchen design KEC company like ours that was heavily involved in the project and knows really good vendors from the people that are just trying to get a contract signed and get a job and are going to hit you with all those scenarios that you just laid out. And I know the independent restaurant owner, they're watching every penny they spend trying to make sure they have enough capital so they can buy the food and everything they need to get the doors open right away. And I think the biggest failing is that they rush through the process. And a lot of times they have leases where they have free months provided to them. And that's another reason why they're trying to rush through the process. It all comes down to planning and You've got to get ahead of it right from the start. Find people you trust. If the architect has a couple builders that they would like to have bid the job, find some other builders outside of the architect's recommendation. Talk to all the vendors that you're considering hiring. You should be involved in that process as opposed to some restaurant owners that let their vendors do that for them. Use your instincts. Don't go with the low bid. I mean, the most messy, unsuccessful projects I've seen, Josh, are when they went with low bid. My suggestion to everybody is if you get three to five bids and one bid is much lower than the others, throw it out. If you get a bid that's much higher than the others, throw it out. And then interview one or two or three that are left and go with the vendor, the person that gives you the best vibe. It's just a travesty in this industry when you think you're getting a deal 
you know, something is much lower than the other numbers. There obviously is something wrong, whether it's an architectural quote, whether it's a construction quote, an interior design proposal, or, you know, a proposal from a kitchen design and equipment company. What are the best investments? On the other side of that token, what are the things that you've seen restaurateurs spend money on in these build-outs that always has a high ROI? It's all about location. And I'm not a obviously a real estate agent, and I don't understand that process like you would. I know you've looked for hundreds of properties over the years, but I think you have to either have an eye for it if you have a restaurant background or find a restaurant-centric realtor. And like in Southern California, there are a number of really good ones out there. I mean, you've probably heard this a hundred times, but it's location, location, location. We've built some beautiful restaurants that were in the wrong spot and they didn't work out. And we've built some restaurants in what we thought were maybe B or C locations. A lot of them were first time chef owners. And if you have great food, people will come. So there's a lot of different ways that you can attack how you're going to achieve success, but but location is imperative. These things always seem to run over time and over budget. And I'm wondering, are there things that we can do on our end as restaurateurs to prevent that? Is that a planning issue or is it that we've just deviated from the plan? Yeah. I mean, if you get involved and have a lot of change orders and you deviate from the plan, uh, you're certainly not going to finish when you want to. If you believe that you did all the right things, it could be that the contractor fell behind in most cases. With supply chain, it's happening all the time. Or the equipment, which was ordered on time, we get these frustrating emails. We promised you a June 10th delivery. Now we're backing it up to July 25th. So there are a number of scenarios that take place on why are projects behind. My encouragement is to get ahead of it and have cushions, especially with the current times, on when you're going to finish your project. Because what happens is when you're rushing, mistakes are made that will set back the opening of the restaurant or cause operational issues the first couple of weeks. High level, just based off your years and years of experience in this industry, do you think now's a good time to be building restaurants? Well, I see clients that I think should wait. I see potential clients that I don't feel are capitalized enough. Really, it comes down to, in my view, the lease and also locking it in. If you want to build a restaurant right now, but you can't get started until November or December, you might want to keep an open mind and not do it. If you have the capital and you feel you have the right plan and you have a great menu, you have a chef ready to jump in that you think is an A-plus hire, then I would encourage you to do it right away. My advice to everybody is that we have no idea what's going to happen in six months and to cover your tracks and make sure you have extra capital if you decide to move through the process. What trends have you seen? How has the construction of restaurants evolved over, let's say, the last two and a half years? Well, I mean, since COVID hit, 
on the chef-driven and independent restaurants, we're seeing a shrinking of the square footage of spaces, which is interesting. I don't see the 10,000 square foot plus projects out on the street that I did before COVID. We're seeing a lot more thought put into not only the shrinkage, but the type of equipment, the number of seats. And you would understand that even more than me. I think there's some type of financial model that restaurant owners are looking at with all those parameters. Also, too, we're seeing on the fast casual and quick serve side, a lot of new technology coming into play. I think COVID accelerated what was already inevitable. And as a result of that technology, we're seeing some design changes and equipment changes that are tied to the fact that people aren't always ordering in person now. And there's a lot of pickup and delivery and we're seeing more shelf space, a lot of areas in design that accommodate the new normal. What are some of those tech innovations specifically? What are some of the things you've seen that you're like, oh, that's really cool, or that you've noticed that you're dropping this type of tech more frequently into restaurants? Yeah, I think on the tech side, the kiosks are huge. We're doing a lot of major food halls right now, and that type of ordering has become predominant in places like New York City and Los Angeles and Chicago and major cities where people are starting to come back to work. There are big buildings downtown. They have a limited lunchtime and they're going in and using the kiosks and we're using a lot of the mobile applications to make sure that it's a really, really quick process as opposed to standing in line and ordering. It's a huge trend. And eventually it will spread out into the suburban and rural areas throughout the country. Uh, Because as you know, Josh, and I hear the complaint every day, and there's just not the labor pool to accommodate the type of service that we expected before COVID. You know, if I was to open a restaurant tomorrow, I'd like to think it would be dynamic. There would be space for retail, takeout and pickup, maybe even a window right on the side of the building. And the back of house would be set up differently than I've ever set up a restaurant in the way that we would focus on manufacturing, right? And excellence in manufacturing so that we could execute large format, catering, par cooked, like the whole nine yards. We've got a whole section allocated to takeout and delivery. Are you seeing that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And it kind of ties into your last question. We're seeing a movement away from new construction into second and third generation spaces with that there's money saved for whether it's you know an independent or a chef driven concept or fast casual quick serve generally the walk-ins are kept a cooking line is developed under the existing hood in a lot of cases there's other equipment that's kept in to me that's the trend and with the second generation spaces You can open quicker and you can do all the things that a restaurant owner is doing to accommodate the new wave of technology, you know, extra shelving for takeout, maybe an extra cooking line for takeout that's solely takeout. And that's the beauty of it. 
of the second generation space allows the restaurant owner not only to cut their costs in the development process and to accelerate the project, obviously it's going to move quicker, but there's generally enough square footage there when you take out some of the unneeded equipment to put in the type of storage that you want and everything else that allows you to maybe get all the food out quicker because you not only have diners out in the dining room, you have people that are either coming through the back door or, you know, delivery companies, that type of thing. And it's exciting because, for example, there's a restaurant we went to look at in Los Angeles. And since outdoor seating took place, Josh, they don't have the kitchen infrastructure to feed everybody. Right. And that's another trend that I wanted to touch on with you is one of the positives of COVID is we see a lot of restaurants that have opened their indoor space. They've been allowed, in most cases, to keep their outdoor space. And they're like, hey, this is great. We have more clients. Let's do something with our kitchen so that we can keep this going. And I hope that cities like Los Angeles and New York City and Miami and other major markets, they allow the restaurant owners to keep those outdoor seating setups permanent. You know, I hope that's something that doesn't change if we start to get back to normal and and COVID kind of disappears. I would imagine that over the years, you've probably had as many or more conversations with restaurateurs as I have. And I'm wondering, are the restaurateurs you talk to more savvy post-pandemic? Are they thinking bigger and broader than just, I'm going to open this restaurant, I'm going to do it here because I like the area, X, Y, Z, I'm going to serve this food. And because the restaurateurs that I talk to seem like they have a better plan. They seem savvier and more dynamic in really compelling ways. No, I agree. I mean, I kind of laid out some caution earlier in our conversation about people planning projects right now. But the positive is that we are not seeing our business slow down. We are as busy now as we've been in the last decade. And it ties to what you just stated. I think the restaurant owners on all sectors of our business are savvier and the ones that have especially a lot of capital are not shy. There's a lot of money out there right now. A lot of chefs that want to get into new cities as a result of the opportunities that COVID have probably provided them where they couldn't afford to do it before. LA chefs that want to go into San Diego, New York chefs that want to go into LA, Miami chefs that you know want to go into Chicago. There's been a lot of thought put into it. There's a lot of capital out there and the savvy operators are not slowing down right now. And I think it's a great opportunity right now, depending on the market that you want to get into, to lend some diversification to your restaurant concept. Go somewhere that you've never been before. There may not be a better time. And the shocking thing that we're seeing right now is that I mean, we're getting a number of calls and it's not just from restaurant people, it's from entrepreneurs that have been successful and every type of business there is in this country that have had a lifelong, they're foodies and they've had this lifelong passion to open a restaurant and they're going to do it right now. They're going to go for it. If you were to open a restaurant, just as like a fun thought experiment, 
What would your process be? What have you learned after interacting with so many restaurateurs who have been both successful and less than successful? If you were to do it on your own today, what would that process look like? How would you find a location? How would you determine whether it's valuable or not? How would you structure a deal with a landlord based on what you've seen work in the past? Are there certain non-negotiables? Forgetting food, beverage, and service, because we've all seen places with incredible food, beverage, and service close. What are the fundamentals that you, as kind of an industry insider and outsider, what are the fundamentals you would bring to the table? Yeah, I have such amazing, I mean, just incredible amount of respect for people that open restaurants. It's, in my view, it's got to be the toughest business in the world. And so I kind of chuckled when you asked me that question because I'd be a deer in headlights to start with. But I'm going to go back to the basic premises, and it's tied into my organization too. My organization is highly successful because I have great people working for me. And so essentially the way I would attack it is I'd hire a consultant that I believed in that's been through the dance many, many times. And together we would hire an architect and I wouldn't worry about the development process with the right people. But to me, I would hire the best chef I possibly could. It's all about the food. If you have great food, people will go anywhere. And that chef needs to have people skills. I mean, I, like you, I'm sure started on the bottom of the restaurant chain. I was a dishwasher in high school. And you can have the best chef in the world, but if they don't have the management skills, the people skills, along with being talented cooks, the restaurant's not going to go anywhere. And I think you, as a restaurant owner now, you have to get progressive. Good people don't stay around if they're not paid well or motivated. It's all about the management. Uh, so if you incorporate some of the ideas that I've laid out, you know, it's not based on my thoughts. It's based on, like yourself, what I've seen over the years, why places have been open a long time and why places that had great food shut down after a year or two. Incidentally, Restaurant owners are business people and they have to make money. And that's all part of the process also. I know you do a lot of ground up work. I know you do a lot of second generation work. But one of the other things that I know you've done is you're brought in to fix somebody else's problem. And I think it's a really interesting place to be because there's an opportunity to learn what mistakes to avoid. What are the problems that you're commonly fixing? So, you know, somebody goes with a development team and a contractor, they open only to realize this is a shit show. It doesn't work the way it's intended to be. We need to rethink everything. And then they bring you in based on your level of experience to kind of fix these operational and infrastructural issues as they deal with the restaurant itself. I mean, a great example for me was open a 6,000 square foot restaurant and realized within a week of opening that we would need a second walk-in cooler, much, much larger than the first, which meant we had to rerun. I mean, nobody cares about my life story, but we had to rerun the glycol lines. We spent tens of thousands of dollars while we were operating this brand new, very busy restaurant, kind of all at the same time. And so from those experiences that you've had, 
what are some ways that people could save themselves pain or money by making a better decision earlier on in the process? Yeah. I mean, essentially, when something like that happens, you had the wrong designer, you had the wrong architect, you didn't have somebody on your team that looked at the plans and said, wait a minute, Josh, we need to address this right away. I haven't touched on it in our conversation so far. I mean, communication is of essence on these projects. And if all parties involved on the construction side are not communicating properly with the owner, it's not going to work out well. And also too, I mean, I've spoken to a number of consultants and very well respected in our industry, and they're not getting as much work as pre-COVID on the construction side. Essentially, they're being asked to come in after the scenario you just laid out two or three weeks and you realize your kitchen's not functioning the way that you envisioned when they're coming in with fire hoses. So I think in a situation like that, if you had the right team, if you had somebody that you highly respected their knowledge, they would have spoken out. And once we go in and do work like that, it generally is the beginning of the end. I don't see a lot of restaurant owners succeed when there's a mess being cleaned up the first couple of weeks after. I mean, there's always small things that have to be done, but to put in a walk in that size, it's difficult to do when you've got your restaurant open. So I guess it comes down to this too. Don't open your restaurant if you have a feeling something's wrong. You've had your finger on the pulse of this industry for over a decade now, longer than that. And this is an industry podcast. So you have the opportunity to speak directly to thousands of owners and operators across the country. Do you have advice? Do you have words of encouragement that you would like to share with them? Of course. My words of encouragement are based on the fact that this is the toughest industry in the world. And I've seen a lot of people that have become highly successful that are deeply fulfilled with being restaurant owners that are ambitious, that want to do more. And they were people that started from the bottom. So it's the American dream. We're all living the American dream. And most importantly, we all have to help each other out. The dialogues that you and I have had in the past and the dialogues I've had with people in all facets of the industry, it's really meaningful. There's help out there. There's a lot of people in the industry that want to see you succeed. You're not in this by yourself. And when you're having a bad day and you're a restaurant owner or you're in the business, there's always a mentor, a friend. There's always somebody out there that can provide you with the type of advice if you need consoling, consoling, if you need a little motivation that you're getting down, they're out there. And the resilience of the restaurant owners, especially during COVID, Josh, I've never seen anything like it. It's to be admired. That's Michael Benson. For more on his company, visit SoCalRestaurantDesign.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, 
go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.